So, y'all, we got Nana Yarko. Is that how to say your last name? Nayarko. Nayarko. That's what I said. I think that's what I said. <laughs> Na- Nana Nayarko on this pod today. And we're excited to have Nana. And we're bringing Nana on today because, uh, you know, again, y'all know we always bring people in with a variety of different backgrounds and who individuals who are able to speak to so many different things. And Nana, um, we've been friends for quite some time now. And she's a lawyer by training, but she does not do anything related to law. So we wanted to learn more about her, kind of just how she pivoted into this Airbnb space. So Nana, the floor is yours. Can you give us a little bit about your educational background and why? Let's actually start with that. Why did you decide to go into law school? Um, So I decided to go to law school kind of during the Great Recession. So, you know, just like a lot of people, I was actually working, my undergraduate degree is in business. So I was working in business and sales and um, actually pharmaceutical sales and was laid off. And even before that, I knew I wanted to get a secondary degree. Um, So I considered getting my MBA. um, But for me, law school presented a really interesting challenge. I loved debating. I loved reading. um, And I wanted at the time to really find my place and being able to help people. Um, And I also had a background in real estate already. So I figured I would specifically want to do real estate and contract law. So I took the opportunity, um, just kind of studied, got in and went from there. That's amazing. So with real estate, so you have a background in law and you were also doing real estate and it was that the impetus that essentially propelled you into being, um, you know, going into the space that you're currently in? A little bit. So, I mean, I always had this interest in real estate. I was actually still doing real estate kind of on the side, even while I was in law school. Um, So I was always doing something a little extra. And at the time, I was also traveling. Like whenever I, you know, after law school, I was was traveling whenever I had the time off from work. And I just kind of had this hustle mentality. And I was like, I want to make extra money because I was working as a contract attorney. So when I wasn't working, I wasn't necessarily making money. So so whenever I would travel, I was like, I want to cover my expenses during these trips. Um, And I just thought this is around 2014. I was like, well, this Airbnb thing sounds pretty cool. Let me try, um, you know, renting my space out on Airbnb, my apartment while I travel. And I know a lot of people think that's crazy because it's where I lived. But I was just like, oh, this is awesome. I'm on vacation and making additional money um, while I'm on vacation. So I just really enjoyed that. So I kind of fell into it in that regard. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I, I had a conversation with my brother yesterday. Last night, actually, we FaceTimed then. We were talking about um, just Airbnb in general because he lives in Washington, D.C. Uh, he is in law school, um, you know, and, you know, with law schools nowadays, they're, they're pretty much remote. So he's he's in his his law school is in Houston, Texas, but he is oh, wow. um, living in D.C. and he's essentially joining these Zoom sessions. And we were talking about Airbnb because he was he was doing Airbnb, I would say about four five years, you know, about five years ago. And he was introduced to the business model by my line brother, who's a, who's a cosmetic dentist right now in, um, in, uh, in California. And we were talking about it and I'm like, man, it's such a great revenue stream just because, mm-hmm. you know, you can, people literally live with you. And I remember during that time, my brother was, I mean, he was making so much money and I'm like, man, now the challenge was that he would always sleep at friend's house, but he, 
you know, he turned it into a business. And I, I wanted to pivot that and ask you, what are some, I guess, um, tidbits or what are some key information to know about, you know, going into this space? If you have somebody who is interested in being um, renting their space out or becoming an a Airbnb host, how do you recommend that they get started? So the first thing I would do, um, and I would recommend this before, but especially now, is to really learn and understand your particular market. So you want to know, like, in terms of Airbnb, what can you do in your city or county and what can't you do? Like, can you host, you know, just a few nights at a time or do you need to host more than 30 days? Um, because some cities nowadays are starting to put some regulations on short-term rentals. So that would be the first thing I would suggest. But then I would also say, find out like, what is the nightly rate, like run your comparables, like, you know, coming from the real estate world, right? You want to run comps. So your comparable sales is what you would say if you were a realtor. But in this regard, you'd say run your comparable um, listings and hosts. Like, so for your particular property, if you have a one bedroom with one bath, what are one bedrooms, one bathrooms in your area going for on a nightly rate? So you can kind of price correctly so that you're making sure that you're bringing in the right kind of guests, the right kind of revenue that you want to see, um, and then decide how often do you want to host. So like for me, when I started, I was only doing it whenever I would travel. And I, I, for me, I traveled a lot at the time. Um, but then I was just kind of also doing it, you know, maybe part-time on the weekends if I was still there. Um, so it just depends. I would say kind of put together your plan and your strategy. Most of. So, you know, it's interesting. I, anytime when I talk about, you know, hosting or renting out my place, for example, I always think the best types of um, uh, places to rent out are places that are close to huge metropolitan areas, right? So we live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I was a little apprehensive in turning my home into an Airbnb, although like yourself, I do travel a lot. But there's this thing in my mind where it's like, you're not going to get any hits. Nobody's going to you know, rent your place out just because you have to be downtown. You have to be at the strip. So would you say that that's kind of another misconception with Airbnb rentals? Or is there truth to the fact that it's better to just be in like five miles from the airport? What are your thoughts on that? Um, that's definitely a myth and misconception because you will be pleasantly shocked and surprised at where people travel to, especially now here in the United States. Like there's actually a trend of people, people are still booking in major metropolitan cities, but there's also a trend of people wanting to be outside of the major cities, you know, and be kind of away from all of the action because of everything that's going on. But even before, uh, you know, the pandemic, people, people travel for a multitude of reasons. So people might be coming to your area and they specifically don't want to be in the mix of the city or they want to be close enough, but then have enough space. And maybe they can't get that downtown. Um, maybe they're traveling with their family. So they want three or four bedrooms plus parking and all this. And so like, for instance, coming from where I, I was in Washington, DC, I also had properties outside of the city and Airbnbs outside of the city because a lot of times families, they didn't want to have to deal, like they were visiting DC, but they didn't want to have to deal with the issues of parking and being congested and all of that. So they preferred to have, you know, a place in maybe Maryland or Virginia where it's like four or five bedrooms and the whole family can be there. So it's so many reasons why people travel. Um, 
you know, you may be just going to visit family who's up the road, but you don't want to stay with the family, you know, um, you want to have your own space and the family lives like nowhere near downtown. So I would say if you have any sort of any sort of hotel around your area, that means that people are traveling to that area. And when I say hotel, I mean even motels, like people are traveling um, or staying or wanting to, to do a staycation or whatever the case may be, kind of almost anywhere. Um, I have fellow hosts that I know that live in really remote areas and they still do well. Now they may do really well during like a high season for their area. Let's say they live in like a seasonal town, like in, I'm just using this as an example in Maine or something, but they charge really high rates during those seasonal times. And so they make enough money for the entire year. But in general, like it's a big myth because I, I have seen people do Airbnbs all over. Now you still wanna do your research and make sure the money is good for what you're like, for the area you're looking at. Um, that it's going to make sense, you know, and cover all the expenses of the property, whether it's your own home or whether it's something that you're um, renting for Airbnb or co-hosting, whatever the case may be. So you just want to make sure it makes sense and do your research. Um, but I wouldn't limit yourself to just, oh, I need to be by the metropolitan area only. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. I think what you mentioned in particular when you stated that if there's an if there's a hotel in a particular place, like the hotel is not just there just to be there. There has to be a reason why they are there. It's like people probably travel there. So that's that's a really good point. If somebody asked you today, Nana, what do you do? How do you what do you say to them? Like, how do you explain that? It's uh, <laughs> these days I say I'm an Airbnb host um, and I manage several properties now across the country and I teach people how to start their first Airbnb or scale an Airbnb that they already have. Got it. So mm -hmm. as an Airbnb host slash coach slash everything that you do, what does your typical day look like? When do you wake up in the morning? Like. I'm sure there's a variance to your everyday life, right? Like how does that how does that play out generally speaking? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question because as a, as an entrepreneur especially coming from like corporate America, you have to find structure <laughs> because your day is like kind of open and so I have had to over the last couple of years kind of give myself more structure especially in the morning because I'm a kind of free-spirited person anyway so um, my days usually look like I wake up around anywhere between 6 and 7 a.m and then I like you know do my reading meditate I usually pray uh, meditate and read and then I'll work out and so that like if I get those things done early early first thing in the morning my day flows so much better. And then I, I um, am checking in with my team because I have a team that helps me manage my, um, the different Airbnbs that I have. So I'm checking with them, in with them, reviewing certain things like pricing, our occupancy rates, how our listings are doing um, to make sure that we're actually booked. And um, then I am actually working on, I do have a course, so I'm either improving the course or working with my clients and um, students that are in the course to kind of help them, you know, better their, their businesses, kind of help them launch their Airbnbs. If they have an area they may be working on or they're stuck on, um, I'm just working with them through that. That sounds like a very exciting day. Uh, you know, I... I am currently working uh, as a medical science liaison. And one of the things that I love about my job is that every day is not the same. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's not monotonous doing the same thing every single day, which some people find joy and value in that. And it's not wrong. It's just, you know, knowing what works best for you. And I definitely like the variance um, that your day gives you. Yeah, it gives me a lot of flexibility. And then when I'm actually looking for Airbnb properties, that's the best time. Well, looking for them is fun for me. And then also designing them. Um, So I just recently moved out here uh, to the Vegas area. But um, so I'm going to start looking again soon. But I love designing properties. I love designing Airbnb specifically. Um, just because I like having like a nice cohesive look and cohesive theme sometimes, nothing too kitschy, although that is really popular. Like people like going to themed Airbnbs. Like I've seen people do like full on like Harry Potter themes or full on. Um, what's that show on Netflix with the kids? Stranger Things. Yeah. I know a host who did a full on Stranger Things themed Airbnb and it's very popular, (laughs) like people book it. Um, So, but I I mean, that's not quite my thing, but I love designing. So that takes up uh, time in my days as well when I'm actually launching a new unit. Yeah, right, right. Obviously we're going through a a pandemic right now, which is truly insane. Who would have thought that this was gonna be our situation this year? Uh, I wanted to ask if you can comment on the impact of uh, this pandemic on the, you know, uh, the tourism industry, specifically for accommodations such as Airbnb. And I seen on your Instagram, you posted a few weeks ago, if I remember correctly, something about, you know, Airbnb definitely has challenges, but it's not as great as what we think it is. So I wanted to ask if you can uh, briefly comment on, you know, your thoughts on how this pandemic has affected, you know, housing and people being able to rent their homes out. Yeah, so it's been quite interesting because, of course, when it all started, like bookings were canceled. It was it was really out of the blue. So it, it was it was a tough time. It was almost like a bloodbath. But for me and my business and my units, we pivoted pretty quickly to midterm rentals. And so um, that has been really good. We do a lot of uh, travel nurses or people just kind of, you know, looking for something temporary because their situation is temporary. So, so many people don't know what their next move is. Um, So short-term rentals are actually becoming a lot more popular. And in terms of Airbnb, they are actually moving forward with their IPO this year. So they're going public. And they had, I think, their record number of bookings back in, uh, I want to say, August or July per in one day. So the Are thing is, serious? it's like, yeah, yeah, it's wow. it's been pretty crazy. I think they said um, they were up like, what was the number? I'm trying to look it up now, like several million bookings in one night. Yeah, one, one million nights booked in one day. And that was back in, I think that was back in July. So like surprisingly, the numbers are up. And I think it's because so many people cannot travel internationally, at least here in the United States. Um, And then in a lot of countries, you can't really travel the way you used to. So a lot of people are traveling domestically, even if it's for a short getaway. And then you have a lot of people who 
they're not really necessarily ready to do a 12 month lease, right? Because everything is up in the air. So many people don't know, you know, what their next job might be. So they're looking at these shorter term stays, midterm stays. So for us, we've pivoted. We have a lot of people staying for a month, maybe two months, but they don't want a long-term lease, right? And then we also have those people who are like, I just, I'm traveling I'm still traveling for my job. I need to be somewhere for two weeks. I need to be somewhere for a week. So bookings have actually gone up. Um, the rates are, depending on where you are, they're up as well. Of course, right now we're going to, into the fall and winter season um, when things slow down a little bit, but it's been really surprising. Um, and I think it's because there's just an overall shift in the way people travel and also in the way people rent now. Yeah, you know, it definitely makes sense. I remember watching, uh, I was watching like, I think CNBC or some, some news station and they were saying how they're like quantifying the amount of money that Airbnb lost and how they were not going to file their IPO. And I remember they were supposed to file this year. So it's surprising to hear that they are going to move forward with it, which is pretty phenomenal. I definitely believe in the Airbnb model. Like I love, you know, uh, Airbnb. In fact, I actually have a month stay in, um, in uh, Georgia in the next few weeks. And, you know, you don't really fully uh, like conceptualize the amount that people utilize uh, uh, these services. And uh, a good friend of mine, he was actually mentioning that right now, um, you know, the real estate market is is in a very, very strange place just Mm -hmm. because there's a lack of inventory, you know, because there aren't that many houses. People are essentially staying where they're living right now. Their inventory is down. So essentially people are looking for just like these short-term or even midterm uh, places to stay. So I think it makes sense logically that you would see an increase in the use of Airbnb and other related services. Yeah, I don't think people saw it coming, but like what you mentioned about you going for a month, that's exactly what's happening. Like you're going to Atlanta, you're gonna stay in an Airbnb for a month. When I first came out to Vegas, I'm like, super anal and i was just like i need to quarantine because i'm staying with my i I wanted to stay with my parents for a little bit so i stayed in an airbnb for like two weeks and so those are the kind of things that people are doing that is still keeping the industry industry strong and alive you know i stayed in a place for two weeks and you know if i were to travel and come back i you know i would probably do the same thing Um, And a lot of people are doing stuff like that. Or if you're moving to a new city, just in general, you know, you don't know, you have no idea where you want to live in that new city just yet, because you're not, it's not like you're, most people are not traveling as much as they were to like go check out a city every couple weeks to see and search, you know, different houses and things like that. It's like, you're going to travel, you'll get there and you'll figure it out. So people are doing just what you're doing, you know, staying somewhere for a month at a time. Um, or maybe two months or three months while they really get to know that city. Um, and Airbnb is great for that. Because if you stayed at a hotel for a month or two months, three months, that would really add up. And it probably wouldn't be as comfortable, especially now, right. you know, with so many people in a hotel. <laughs> to be honest with you, the hotel, I, I don't know. You know, I, I use hotels for work. You know, whenever I'm going to go meet with a medical professional and it's great, you know, it's, you know, most of the time it's covered by the company, which is always a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think generally speaking to your point, like the comfortability when you're in an Airbnb, especially if you have the full Airbnb to yourself, like a full house and it's, you know, it's to the specifications of what you want it to be. It's, I mean, it's, it's literally like 
living in your own personal space. The only thing that I don't fully like is, you know, I love my bed. You know, like when, you, when you're in your bed all the time and it becomes kind of just your nest and going to another person's bed is like, oh, I actually don't really know who was here last. But yeah. besides that, I definitely love love the model of Airbnb. And I, I, I love the fact that it gives us options to, you know, get into outside of just the general uh, living spaces of the hotel. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice. I I've, I agree with you, like, on the bed thing. But, you know, if you stay in hotels, I guess that's the same thing. Like, you're not you're not a fan of that. But um, I have had guests say, hey, where did you get this bed? Like, you know, we put make sure to put in good quality beds and good quality bedding. Um, and of course, especially now, like the turnover, the cleaning turnovers are so important and so crucial. So we make sure to do a really good deep clean on every turn. Um, so yeah, that's the good feedback, but I definitely, I definitely get what you mean, um, in terms of preferring your own bed. Um, but I think you said something earlier that I wanted to touch on. You mentioned like when you have your own when you have the whole space to yourself, it almost feels like your own home. And that's how I felt like in the Airbnb I stayed at because I was there for about two weeks. I was like, this place is so cute. Like I actually started looking into like um, houses in that specific neighborhood. I was like, I felt like I was in my own home. You know, I, I had created a routine around the property. And that's, I think what you get, what's a bit unique with Airbnbs versus hotels sometimes. Yeah, certainly. You know, you was mentioning, you mentioned your last point, right? You were in an area and you realized that you actually, you know, you actually liked that area and kind of, um, you felt at home in that area. What goes on in your mind as it relates to identification of a property? So if I traveled from, let's just say New York or New Jersey to Vegas, and I'm at one of these hotels, how do you, how do you think about, like, how do you, strategically make certain moves to identify a property i know you obviously have to do your research but from identifying a property leasing it out and ultimately turning it into an airbnb like what step-by-step approach would you provide um listeners so in terms of like property criteria it's a couple things it's especially if you're doing like the master leasing or what some people call rental arbitrage method where you're going out and you're renting a property specifically to use it with permission from the landlord for Airbnb. So I like to, one, take a look at the landlord. People kind of skip this. Like you have to make sure because they're, they're a partner in your business in a way, right? Because it is their property. So you have to make sure that like the person you're working with, whether it's like a mom and pop landlord who just owns this one or two property, that they are you know, as best as you can tell, they maintain their property well, they're responsive, um, because if anything goes wrong with that property, that's the person you're going to have to work with and reach out to. So that's number one. And even the same thing, like if you were looking at a larger, more um, professionally run apartment building. Um, But then I also look at like, even though I I mentioned that, you know, location, you don't have to be in a specific location, I want to make the most revenue as possible. So if I'm going out, and it's not like my home or something, I am looking at what are the amenities around this property? Um, You know, how far is the airport? How close are like the major business districts, um, or convention center, like in a city like Vegas, like a lot of people at least pre-pandemic, and I think they're going to start up pretty soon again, are still traveling for, you know, 
conventions or may want to be close to like where they have to work. So I might look at things like that in a city like DC, I would look at how close is this to the metro because if especially if it's in the city, um, it is a very, you know, commuter friendly, uh, uh, public transit friendly city. And then I'm going to look at like, how much do I want to spend? Do I want a one bedroom or do I uh, do I want to cater to groups and families and get a three bedroom? Um, then I'm looking at the unique qualities of the apartment itself or the house itself. Um, you know, is it in good condition? Uh, is this going to be easy to design and set up? And I just kind of go by the feel of things too. But the biggest thing is I look at the numbers. So I'm looking at how much are similar properties going for, like we talked about before, in this area, is it going to cover the rent and make the revenue that I have set as a goal for myself? Most definitely. So you're, you're providing information on a lot of things that I would say if people naturally just sat down and thought about it, it makes sense. It's pretty, it's very logical things, but you know, you, you kind of start to see how important having a coach is and having somebody like Nana who can essentially guide you through these steps. So if somebody wanted to just book you as their coach or book you as, I don't know if you do partnerships, like how do they, one, how can we find you? And mm -hmm. two, what does that look like from a model perspective? Because I know that you also work as part of a team. Yeah, so I do coach, like I said, I have a course called the BMB from scratch method, which walks people through my entire process of how to um, find and host a property on Airbnb with or without having to buy property because a lot of people are not in the position or not interested in buying a whole new property just to do Airbnb. Um, so I teach people how to do that. They can find me. The best way to find me these days is on Instagram um, and my link there has all of my information and you can also DM me. Um, but so if people are interested in learning how to start their Airbnb from scratch, basically that is the best way. And then I also do help people who are interested in um, having their property hosted for them. So I have a partner, we work together and we manage and co-host properties across the country. Um, and it's on a case by case basis, but you can, reach out to me again on Instagram and we can set you up with a pre-consultation to kind of see if it fit, see what your property is looking for or looking like um, and what you're interested in. But the biggest thing I like to do is teach people how to actually go and get their own Airbnb, start it from scratch, you know, make as much cash flow as they're interested in making, setting their goals and helping them, you know, get launched because this this industry and this niche is only going to continue to grow and i think it's a great way for people to get started um, without necessarily having to put so much money up front especially now right we want to save our money and invest it um and so this is a great way to get your get your foot in the door and start to bring cash flow in most definitely you know i I'm thinking about just kind of having an eye for things because I know that you and your partner or you and your team, you guys probably have a step-by-step -step process in which you evaluate and assess certain areas um, to see how, you know, how viable they are to be, you know, good candidates for, you know, Airbnb hosts. If you are able to walk to a particular area, for example, you know, you come around Providence where Atar and myself lives, right? Can mm -hmm. you, without even delving into the research and understanding what things are going for in that area,
can you tell just by looking at that area or being in that particular area, looking at the house, if it would be a good option for Airbnb stay and if there would be business in that area? Have you gone to that point yet? Um, I think I have. I think it's just like, you know, you get a feel for a neighborhood, you get a feel for like just what's going on in the neighborhood, how quiet or lively it is. Um, and then who's your your guest prototype, right? Who's the guest that you want to attract? Because there are all there are so many different kind of guests. So like in a in an area like where you guys live, I'm like, oh, this is great for families and groups. You know, this is great for people who like the outdoor lifestyle because they're you're not very far away from things like Red Rock um, or you know outdoor parks and things like that. But you're still close enough to the strip that okay, this family that or group might that might stay out here. They may want to go down the, to the strip one or two times during their stay. So you're not too far away. Well, I think, how long are you far? Like maybe 20, 30 minutes, if that. Yeah. 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 So it's not for someone who wants to be on the strip every night. No, not necessarily. But for someone who's like, I like all this outdoorsy stuff. I want to kind of, you know, chill. But I want to be close enough to the strip that I can go a few times during my stay if I want to. Most definitely. That's good to hear. You mentioned mm-hmm. we can find you on Instagram, but I don't think you provided your uh, Instagram. True. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so my, my Instagram is Nana Alice Nayarko, uh, and that's N-A-N-A-A-L-I-C-E Nayarko, N-Y-A-R-K-O. So that's where you can find me. Great, great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have this conversation. I, I love talking to people and learning more from people who, who take the unconventional routes and you know, somebody would ask you, yo, you're a lawyer. What kind of law do you practice? Like, no, I don't actually do that. And it's, and it's really good. It's actually, I think it's great for most people because, you know, we have this concept of like, you know, you, you, you become this professional and you're only meant to do one thing. And like I said, you know, I, I don't know anybody to this day who's doing what you're doing. And I think that that says a lot, obviously you're in the space. So you probably do have a bigger Rolodex of people who are African-American specifically who are doing what you're doing, which is great. But I think it just goes to show you how um, evolving the industry also is. You know, it's, I don't I don't know anybody who's really doing it. So it's it's great to be able to have this discourse with you and you providing knowledge to the people. Yeah, and I, it's something you said was really important. I feel like a lot of people we get these degrees or or we have this one mindset of okay, this is what I'm supposed to do because this is what I went to school for. Um, But I think it's really important to look at what makes you happy. And for me, at the time, like I eased my way into being an entrepreneur. Um, I enjoyed law for some time, but it wasn't my passion. And so I really had to look at myself and say, I could just keep going just because it's quote unquote what I'm supposed to do, or I can move towards what I find joy in. And so that's it was not easy, um, but you know that's kind of what I decided to do and just move towards what what I was enjoying doing at the time, which at the time was Airbnb, and it's grown into what it is now. Most definitely, that's that's so wonderful. Yeah, it's crazy when you find that in which you're passionate about. It's so interesting the flip that happens because you know you go from working this you know whatever corporate job you're working or you know going to this factory or doing whatever you're doing in your daily life. And you got to wake up at seven o'clock. You got to go, you know, be at work at eight o'clock. It's a very, very regimented approach. But when you're, when you have found that thing that, you know, help, you know, you can wake up in the morning, you're glad to do. 
it's it's incredible how life changes. You know, for me, there was a point where, and it still goes on now, when mm-hmm. it's about seven o'clock, eight p.m., I literally start going through periods of like, damn, I'm kind of sad. I gotta go to sleep, just because <laughs> on, a, on a day-to-day basis, I love what I do. Like, I wake up at five in the morning, and like mornings, like five a.m. to about like eleven a.m. That's like my hot spot where just the mm-hmm. the the productivity level is so high and. I'm grateful because it's because I, you know, I've been given the opportunity to en- truly enjoy what I do on a day-to-day basis. And I, and I do hope that everybody finds that because it really does make life, it gives life a very different meaning. Yeah. And I think it's all a journey. Like, I think it's important too to not be like, I'm only known for this one thing. So I don't, I can't break out and do something else. Like if you find a new passion, of course, don't like be, what is it? jack of all trades, master of none. You don't want to be that and get into shiny object object syndrome because I've been there. And I, sometimes, you know, being a creative and serial entrepreneur, you have to be like, stick to this, finish this, you know, improve this, make it the best it can be before you move on to something else. But I think it's also important to allow yourself the room to grow and not say, well, I'm only known for this one thing. I can only do this one thing. Um, allow yourself the room to kind of expand if if that's how you feel um but i feel you on these these mornings like the mornings are the time like if i get things done in the morning my day just gets so goes so much better and i'm, I'm working on being like you and getting up at 5 a.m but it's, it's a process because I, i've done it before in those days just they flow so great because i can just get so much done between 5 and 12. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a process. So <laughs> working on that. But. Most of, you know, getting up at five in the morning, even 4.30 in the morning was, uh, cause I was doing that for quite a few months. And to be honest, it sounds sexy. Oh, you get up at 4.30 in the morning. But the reality is that I'm probably getting the same amount of sleep. Cause most mm-hmm. people that I know, they go to sleep about 10, 11. And if you really want to stretch it out, you're on 12, you know, 1 a.m. But it's mm-hmm. like, well, I do all that. I'm in bed by nine, bro. I'm in bed by nine and I structure my day to the, to, you know, to the, in a way where I can be in bed by, you know, 9.30, I'm in REM sleep. So (laughs) waking up, waking up by like five, that's eight hours, you know, waking up by 4.30, that's seven and a half hours. So it's not that different. It's just a matter of in that, in that space of like four, even 4.30 to like 7 a.m., most people are still sleeping. So the energy is just the overall energy around you is lower. So if you can get up in the morning, drink some water, meditate, and then, you know, say your prayers, set your intentions and get your day started, man, it, like typically for me by like 9am, my work is done. And then, oh my gosh. yeah, after 9am, I'm just spending those days pretty much just innovating, thinking about, you know, the next process, what do I want to do next? And, you know, overall, it just turns out to be good. And it doesn't have to be that for everybody. I know I have friends who are very productive at night, like, from like 11 p.m. to like 2 a.m. is their hot spot. So you just got to find what works best for you and then just move on that. Yeah, my brain starts to like start to slow down around like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. So I I usually, uh, if I have to schedule anything, it's usually lighter things um, because my brain would be like, oh, oh, I'm tired (laughs) Um, because I like to do everything in the morning. Um, But yeah, the few times that I wake up that early, like never 4.30, but like, but like 5, 5.30, you're right. The world is asleep. So it's just so much more quiet. It just that the energy is just different. Um, And it's nice. It's just like, you you can just kind of get things done, but also the pace of what, what you're doing just seems 
I don't know how to explain it. It just seems different. It seems calmer. Most of it truly does help when you're doing something that you're passionate about. If somebody asks you today, yo, nah, nah, you got to start waking up at 430 in the morning, but you're going to continue to do this Airbnb thing. I think within like five to seven days, you'll find that it's not really, it's not a problem because you have something that you're waking up to that you truly love. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem is that most people, um, unfortunately, they don't, they're not in areas that they can truly um, appreciate. They're not in like the, you know, uh, in the area where they can call their purpose. And that's what makes it a strain. You know, I think life should be easy. Life should, you know, come with ease. And, you know, for those who are fortunate to find their purpose, you know, waking up at those strange times, it's not as difficult as it is for somebody who is still looking to identify what their purpose is or realize it. Even like doing what I was doing before getting up was like, oh gosh, here we go. (laughs) Um, You know, before I found what I like to do now, and it's not just the Airbnb, it's also the coaching and um, even marketing and learning all these new you know, the digital world is changing like every day. So learning all of that, it's exciting. It's, it's very interesting. And um, so, yeah, you're right. You wake up with more of a purpose. Uh, so going to sleep early now is, is the key. That is, you know, I like to read before bed or, or just kind of hang out, talk to friends and stuff. And so that's where I need to kind of find my focus. <laughs> yeah, most stuff, most stuff. But no, no, we appreciate you. This was a great conversation. And we thank you for really coming on here and providing the people with knowledge and wisdom and understanding how they can make money via Airbnb. And I encourage you guys to follow Nana on Instagram and reach out to her as your personal coach, uh, someone who can guide you through the process. And hopefully you guys can make money together. Just make sure you give me my cut after all that. All right, sure <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Alex. Likewise, likewise. We'll talk soon and have a good rest of your day, all right? You too. All right, take care. You've been listening to Back to Basics Podcast with Dr. AO. Subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play to receive exclusive weekly conversations on the fundamentals of daily living. Life is not meant to be complicated, so let's make it easier by returning Back to Basics.